Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broadway Podcast Network presents Giants in the Sky, How Sondheim and Lapine Went Into the Woods, with me, Ben Rimmelauer. Today's guest, Chuck Wagner, the original Rapunzel's Prince. Once upon a time. Chuck Wagner created the role of Rapunzel's Prince in Into the Woods, beginning with its Old Globe premiere through to the Broadway opening, eventually starring as Cinderella's Prince and the Wolf on the national tour. His other Broadway credits include leading roles in Beauty and the Beast, Les Miserables, Dracula the Musical, The Three Musketeers, and tours of Anything Goes, Kiss Me Kate, Jekyll and Hyde, and Les Miserables. For four years, he was ringmaster of the Ringling Brothers' Barnum and Bailey Circus, and TV audiences may remember him for starring as the computer-generated superhero Auto Man. I think your first involvement with Into the Woods was at the Old Globe Playhouse. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, I was in the original cast. I at first I auditioned in Los Angeles for James, and uh, um, it was about the same time that they were doing the. Edwin Drood in New York. Yeah. And, uh, and I'd heard the cast album. And so I wrote the New York Shakespeare Festival and said, I'd really like to, to do this when you come to the West Coast. And, uh, and they wrote me back and they said, would you consider replacing Howard in New York? And I said, would I consider it? Of course I would. In the meantime, before that had happened, I auditioned for James in Los Angeles and hadn't heard anything back. But then when I was in New York auditioning for Edwin Drood, I got a chance to be seen again. And this time Stephen was there. And, uh, and so he liked me better, I think, than James did. Oh, really? And uh, so then, and then they made me the offer. So I did the out of town tryout in the Old Globe. And uh, at that point, uh, Ken Marshall was the Cinderella Prince, and he was right. the guy. You remember the movie Kroll? No. Oh, check it out. He he was the, he was the lead in that, and he was the original Cinderella Prince, delightful gentleman. And he and he was not the wolf in that production, right? No, no. Um, how did that go? Actually, I know. I know we went through a lot of permutations. They had me trying to be the wolf. They I meant they were going to have John uh, Cunningham, who was the narrator, uh, try to be the wolf. But then all of a sudden, it was very creepy, dirty old manny thing. So yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So, you know, I'm so I want to know more about that because there's um, like the only part of the reason I'm doing this podcast is because. The, this stuff is all pre-internet. So, you know, nowadays you do one right. thing uh, anywhere and everybody can know about it. And then, you know, the stuff, the only thing that's on record about what the show was like in San Diego 
is the final version you guys opened that was reviewed in you know Variety or the LA Times. Oh, or right, right, right. But um, no, it was an amazing. It was interesting to see how it evolved. As you know, it was going to be like it would have been much longer. There was a, a an Act One and an Act Two. You know how we kept. You know how we kept coming in with the you know the our little aphorisms. Oh yeah, the first midnight and first second midnight, midnight. There was a second midnight. You know, there was there was a whole there were a bunch of different things. Um, one of my favorites. There's a, there was a song for the narrator called "Interesting Questions" oh, in the second shit. act, and uh, there's a ghost of the music is still in there. Um, but one of the, it was uh, contemplating right, wrong, good, bad, things like that. But uh, these are interesting question archetypal figures. Blah 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 it was a great thing. Um, but the hook of the there was a beautiful melody in it that he goes fairy tales not what's real only what's true mm. and so if you listen to that kind of underscore music you can hear that phrase made it through that survived from yeah. that song is that what they play uh as the crowd is getting ready to serve him to the giant yes mm. yes exactly that's when the song would have happened ah oh that's wonderful yeah 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 and um, exactly, it was yeah, it was a it was there was a lot of great music in there that didn't make it. What about the um? This might be getting ahead of us, so I, I don't want to get far ahead. But I because I, there's these demos that that were released on one of the issues of the Broadway recording, and um, it had there's a song or no sorry they are I think the same demos, but there there's some of them were on that Broadway CD when they re-released it. Uh, oh like an earlier version of Giants in the Sky and an earlier version of On the Steps of the Palace and the Boom Crunch song for The Witch. Oh, right, right, right. And then there's a, but there was three more, I think from that same recording session, cause it's the same, it's like Maureen Moore and George Lee Andrews and John Cameron Mitchell and Betsy Joslin um, and Kim Crosby. And uh, the, the, there's like a Sondheim box set where they have uh, interesting questions and- um, Oh, really? Yeah, I'll send it to you because oh. you can't. You, it's not on Spotify or anything. You know, it's it was, it was just yeah, that yeah, one yeah, time yeah. they released it. But it's no, um, I would love to hear that. And then there's this song that I'm obsessed with, Second Midnight. That's like six minutes long with like right. the whole cast singing about their parents and children and all that. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 So was that in the show? Send me that too. <laughs> yeah, nice. you got it all all of it uh was, it, was that in the show in san diego too um no no i don't think it actually that, that was later um yeah. and then um so okay and then when was that was that just like in rehearsals or were there performances in san diego where you were rapunzel's prince and the wolf oh no 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 we when we they were first doing the wolf thing we kind of did a different we we all tried to gave our turn at the wolf Right. Ah. We sang it for Stephen, and then he basically decided one way to go, and it was, uh, you know, it was fun. But I loved playing the wolf when I finally got to do it, and I do it in my show every night. So uh, I have a whole song. You know, because people don't. It's amazing to me how many people don't know Into the Woods, right? Even though, I mean, they've seen the movie now. Some yeah. of them. Um, but even then, the people who have just seen the movie are not. You'd be surprised how few people are actually hardcore theater people. Yeah, Just, you know, you'll find that out when you're out on these cruise ships because you got a general audience, right? Right. Some people love it and are very passionate about it, but a lot of people don't know. And so, in my show, I do a section that starts with uh, agony because I talk about, you know, having played both princes. So I sing agony together with myself. I love that. 
and then I do uh, the Wolf Song. Yeah. And then, uh, then I explain to them about the show, and I sing no more because it wasn't in the movie, right? Mm -hmm. And it's such a great song. And I thought when I saw the movie, I was up, you know, you didn't have the narrator, so you didn't have that old man dichotomy. But then finally the father appears, right? So I said, ah, oh. so they're going to have this song, right? And then they yeah. don't. I was, it's like, how can you not? No. Right? But anyway, but because the music starts, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you hear it, here it comes, and then nothing, nothing happens. But it's a beautiful song. So I do no more at the end. And I do that do sing both parts, the father and the son, back and forth together. So there's a lot of me talking to myself in my show. I, I, listen, I told you, I want you to come do the show at the Green Room 42. Um, but uh, tell me, I, I know that you did the first national tour. You were Cinderella's Prince and the Wolf. Right. Did you ever return to the show again beyond in New York? That? No. no. Or any other? No, because right, it was not long after that that, uh, that uh, the 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 national tour of Jekyll and Hyde started up, right? So, ah, so you were just busy with that, and then. Right. Uh, uh, but did you ever do another production anywhere? No, no, I do master classes. Yeah, I have a thing, I have a thing called Game of the Woods where we explore. You know, I put the each each house has its own like motto, like on Game of Thrones, right? So oh, that's a, fun. It's kind of a fun way to get people to talk about the show, and yeah. Uh, it's been so great to see so many different interpretations. What's the beauty of Into the Woods is that it can be done in an empty room with blue yeah. jeans on, and it's still just yeah. as effective, right? Because it's such yeah. good material. So anyway, there's that. So, okay, tell but me- No, I never came back to it. No, well, listen, it's not too late. There's still parts you could play for the rest of your life in Into the Woods. Oh, hell yeah. Oh yeah, um, but you know, I people people ask me what I'm doing. I said, well, you know, when I was young, I was a prince. Now it's king or nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so okay, well, back to your first uh, stint as the prince in in the Old Globe. Um, was there uh, a lot of involvement day to day with uh, Stephen Sondheim? Uh, and James Lapine wearing his writer hat in terms of rewriting the show, or did you guys just kind of work to get it on its feet first? Well, no, they, they, I mean, listen, I'm on the pretty outskirts of the whole experience, right? You know, because I'm a young actor and I'm rooted in awe of all the people that we're working with. Mm. And uh, when, when they brought Agony in, he brought it in on, in pencil on the, on the music page, right? Yeah. So that was, that was pretty fresh. Yeah. Um, but the, but uh, at the beginning, James gave us all, we had like a psychological questionnaire to fill out. And, you know, a lot of, you know, he'd ask us questions about, you know, what's, what do you like most? What do you like least about your character? Things like that. So he collected all this data. He's very academic, or at least he seemed to be at the time to be um, approaching it almost as a, as a, a class, kind of an experience, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, he'd ask us these questions. He would kind of pick us apart. And he was very good director and pull out more out of you than you thought you had inside of you. Oh yeah, especially for a young actor, that must have been so so cool and stimulating. I mean, yeah, um, it was very and, cool. And had you been like, just like a, like a theater nerd before that? Were you like a Sondheim head before you got this job? Well, it's not, you know, I'm from Tennessee, so you know, we didn't have a whole lot of, I mean, the theater, I had, I had great teachers and they exposed me to, you know, I came up, the first thing I ever did was uh, My Fair Lady. So I was probably the youngest Henry Higgins. <laughs> and then senior year, I was Billy Bigelow in Carousel. Yeah. And that led me to do outdoor theater in Kentucky, a place called Jenny Wiley Summer Music Theater. And we did a showboat at South Pacific and the Grass Harp and a bunch of things that first year. And that's how I got mm. my exit card. 
then for two summers, I did The Lost Colony on the Outer Banks of North Carolina under the direction of Joe Layton. Oh, wow. Who, uh, you know, and he was very smart. You know, he was, I mean, he was amazing. He's the real deal. You know, Terry Mann went on to be Barnum right after that season of uh, The Lost Colony. And, uh, and then, you know, then he was the beast and then I got to be his standby. And then I got to take over in Canada and, uh, you know, Beauty and the Beast is still being very, very good to me. Yeah, I'm glad so, to hear it. <laughs> but uh, but Into the Woods is so is such a rich and wonderful thing because everybody can relate to the fairy tales and every yeah. you know if it's not one fairy tale it's another one right. So I love the kind of fairy tale essence of Into the Woods and that it's back again. And so many of my and Beauty and the Beast same thing fairy tales right. Yeah, truly. I mean, well, it's the same costume designer, right? Isn't it? And yeah, yeah. I mean, they, no, they feel like piece, in the same uh, world. The beast, the beast chess piece and yeah. the wolf chess piece are the same. I mean, that, that, that wolf costume is insane. I mean, everybody talks so much about the uh, genitalia that was so uh, problematic and got so many unwanted laughs. But I'm just fascinated by the, um, the face and the chest, the way that it, it's like, I mean, talking about the movie, the work, I like the movie, but the, the thing with Johnny Depp in the zoot suit is like, you know. Right. It but shows you how perfectly the Tex Avery cartoons, right? Yeah. 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 So that's uh, you get that. But it, it just doesn't seem to work in the movie. But the thing that's so beautiful about Anne's design for the wolf in Into the Woods is it's like right in that perfect best of both worlds of human and beast. I mean, it really, right. you know, he. Um, and, no, it was great. And mercifully, by the time we did the wolf on the road. Yeah. I was still anatomically correct, but certainly painted so not to draw so much attention yeah, to it no no and no. i had big hairy thighs right so <laughs> so it was, it was it was a little better hit like a bob. <laughs> had, bob had these crazy skinny legs and then they took that fur and they trimmed it down really short and so and the when the show first opened yeah you know, it was it's pretty in your face as it is now right yeah but before that the very opening time, the first time we've ever put on that costume, we're backstage going, you can't be serious. <laughs> it had independently pendulous testicles. Oh my God. That were photorealistic as well, right? <laughs> and so he comes in, boom. <laughs> and you hear the audience go, <gasps> so those, those were removed right away. That, yeah, that's the, that's the best uh, castration in show business. Um, so, uh, tell me though, um, what uh, what happened like after uh, you guys got back from San Diego? Because you had like like what like nine months until you right started up for Broadway. Yeah, yeah. No, all, well, I went back that summer. I did a thing called Musical Comedy LA, which was a, a repertory thing we did as a through. UCLA and uh, and uh, I think uh, Carol Burnett was on the board. Uh, uh, Carol Channing was on the board. People oh, that you Carol. know, they, yeah. it, it was keeping uh, um, musical theater alive in Los Angeles. So we did in repertory. We did the boys from Syracuse and leave it to Jane. And Jane was played by Michelle Nicastro, who has since passed away, but she was yeah, amazing. she was amazing. She was a swan queen, right? Mm. And so I miss her. She was great as Jane. And so while I was doing that, I heard that they were thinking about going to New York. And I said, oh, I don't know. I'm not going to be able to do it. But then 
our run was going to close a week earlier. So I contacted them again and I said, you know, just to let them know I am available now just in case. And then they called me back and they said, come on. Oh, great. Yeah. So as far as I know, they had done a workshop in New York and I believe Burke Moses was doing the Rapunzel Prince and he did a fine job too. But then they, I was just lucky. They, they wanted me back. Good. So, so they tried to get you back before that and you just, you were in this gig with the, the right. in LA. That, that makes right. more sense. I was like trying to figure out what that, you know, it's very confusing because all this stuff, there's no records of it. And no, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's a, it was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. But it was still an amazing time. And, uh, but, you know, so I'm, Exactly. There probably are, exists a record somewhere, but it would be like in an obscure newspaper. In a I box. was at the Yale Library going through James Lapine's archives trying to get information, and it's amazing right. how little there is. Um, right. But I'm not giving up. But this is great to know. So, um, so did you? Um, do you remember like what what month you would have like started rehearsals for the Broadway I production? I mean, I don't, were, were I don't you there for the first day of rehearsal? Uh, I think makes, I think, I can't remember. I don't remember. I believe I was. I don't remember not being there. Yeah. Um, you know, I know, well, clearly, obviously, they had been doing some work before, right? Because Burke had been working with them. Right. So, uh, but it worked out fine for Burke because he went, went ahead and became best on. And that was like, you know, he was born to play that role. So that was fantastic. Oh, how funny. And you guys would have been in that together. Um, yeah. Now, did you, uh, were you, when you got there and got back on Into the Woods, was Bernadette Peters already in the show at that point? Yes. Yeah. When we opened in New York, Bernadette was the witch. So you were never in like rehearsals with anybody else? It was no. Bernadette from the beginning. No. Well, I mean, we had uh, um, Ellen, right? In the. Uh, yes. In San Diego. In San Diego. Yeah. But, but by the time we came to New York, no, Bernadette was already. And she was the witch. And did they, did they, um, like, did you feel like they were beefing up that character because Bernadette was Bernadette or because that was just the direction that the show was going, you know, dramaturgically? I think it was probably a little bit of both. I think, yeah. you know, you get Bernadette Peters and it's like, oh, well, then we really must have, we got to really punch up that 11 o'clock number, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because Boom Crunch was a great song and what she sings is right. You know, it's, um, it was a similar song to begin with. Yeah. But it, but they just made it a bigger 11 o'clock number. Yeah. Yeah. For Bernadette, sure. Yeah. Why not? yeah, yeah, you got to do that. You got to do that. For the last time, I am not on Ozempic. I made one little joke on this podcast, and everybody started calling me out, texting me, calling me cringe, whatever. I really was asked by people if I was on Ozempic, and as I told them... I am not. I am just eating factors, no prep, no mess meals, okay? Warmer, sunnier days are coming. Fire Island season is here. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Make today the day you 
kickstart a new healthy routine, what are you waiting for? With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. And kitchen time is kept to a minimum. They are ready in two minutes. No shopping, no prepping, no cooking, no cleanup. Enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or just simply to eat well balanced. Head to factormeals.com slash giants in the sky 50 and use code giants in the sky 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code giants in the sky 50 at factormeals.com slash giants in the sky 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, did, now, did Agony always, I mean, it seems like every time I've seen the show, Agony first act, Agony second act, stops the show cold, crowd pleaser. Like, was that always the case? Or did you guys have to sort of, like, figure that out as you? No, no, we were lucky. And James was very good about this. And Stephen, very specific, too. He, he, he explained, he told me once, two things. One, that the show is, the song is in a buckaroll which is a, like a gentle canter on a horse. Ah. And, it, and that tempo should never, it doesn't, shouldn't vary. These guys are precise, right? So I thought that was an interesting observation. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but James, but Stephen also said that those songs, these kind of braggadocio hero characters like Milos Gloriosis or, uh, or Carl Magnus in Nightmares, yeah. right? He says these are easier songs for him to write. So, because he really understands that. So, and James was very clear to us that don't play the comedy of the song. This is, you know, when he says uh, none would run from us, it's not trying, he's not trying to be tongue in cheek about it. He's going, just listen, absolutely listen. Nobody was going to run from us. Right. He's not so, so wrong. To play, just to play it honestly. And by playing it honestly, that made the comedy that much better. Right. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that. I thought both of them approached the, that song in a, and I felt very lucky to be involved. Well, I, we were lucky to have you. And is there, um, w- was there a difference in how that was from San Diego to New York? Uh, was the relationship different? I mean, obviously you had a different um, brother. Um, no, I think it was basically the same thing. It was all about one-upsmanship, right? It was like, you know, we said that fanfare. That's our entrance, right? But because ours was so close, they like overlapped and they were stepped on each other and... Uh, <laughs> And yeah. so there was, you know, but there was never any, I don't ever think there was any animosity. I think it was no. absolutely, they, these brothers loved each other and they're just, you know, having a great time being princes pretty much. And were you, um, were you standing by for Bob while you were playing Rapunzel's Prince? Before yes. Down the road? But Bob, but he never left. He never left. He left <laughs> one week he left. And that was the week that Dick Cavett was the narrator. 
So there's, oh, I have man. a profile picture of me as the Cinderella Prince with the uh, fake sideburns on. I love uh, that. that. That was on that week that uh, that uh, Dick was, that Bob was on vacation. And uh, so I got to do it with Kim as Cinderella. Mm. And uh, so there's a picture of me and Kim and then that picture of me that Dick Cabot took in the wings right before I went on. And did you love that? Were you already thinking I've got I've got to get into this 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 wolf character? Uh, you know. Oh, the wolf. Well, that transition from the wolf to the prince is fast, but you've got people backstage helping you. It's not impossible. And and um, and because I had, uh, um, you know, well, you know, they, I had a permanent by the time I did it on the road. But every night for the Rapunzel Prince, they curled my hair with a curling iron. Wow. Because they, they got, they tried to get a wig, and 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 James never liked any of the wigs. No, <laughs> so he, they curl my, my hair every night before the show. Amazing. So, but that held in pretty well. So by the time you took off the wolf thing, there's, you know, you just gotta fluff it up the best you can and go. But you got time. Yeah. Uh, well, it was the '80s, right? Everybody was uh, fluffing up their hair. Um, and then what about uh, when you went out on the road? Had, had you left the Broadway production before that or did you go straight from Broadway to the tour? I went from straight from Broadway to the tour. And, and um, was, were you rehearsing in New York while doing the show? Yeah. Oh, it was nice. And uh, that's, a, again, you know, I very few, I didn't get, I'm, other than great encouragement, the fact that I got the job, James was very quiet about his, he, he was not very heaping on of the praise, right? No. <laughs> Which is fine. But well, a contract while, while is better than any compliment, right? Well, we're we, um, a guy named Dean Butler, who was the the husband on Little House on the Prairie, right? Oh yeah, uh -huh. he came in to replace me in New York, and uh, and uh, the to me that I took it as a compliment. Um, uh, Doug Sills, who was the Scar Scarlet Pimpernel, he was my brother. He played the Rapunzel Prince on the tour, right? And uh, James brought Dean to watch me and Douglas do the scenes. Because I think Dean was was posing the show, right? You know, he mm. was it was very artificial what he was doing, mm. and so that fact that he brought in just he's just said watch them do it, and because uh, we're not you know it's not you don't punch a joke you don't yeah this isn't you know, this is funny right yeah you know and uh, and so so that he brought him down to watch us during rehearsal was made me feel well I must be doing something okay. Now, had you already filmed uh, the the TV version at that point, or did you have to go back for it? No, it, I, I went back for it because what we did was we did that. We launched the national tour, and then we done several months, and then when we were in New Haven, mm. that was the week that they're recording the PBS thing. So, so I opened the show in New Haven on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, maybe even Saturday, I did the Broadway company. So I had to, I opened as the Cinderella Prince and then went back to do the Rapunzel Prince. Oh, it was wow. a pretty good week. Yeah. That was a good week. Yeah. Good. How did you keep your uh, parts straight with all that? Oh, you just have to listen. You just have to pay attention. Yeah, I guess. You just got to pay attention. Uh, I mean, did you know at that time that this was going to be such an iconic video that would, I mean, it's like, it's, I say it's like a gateway drug for theater fans. Well, I think, well, I, I was thrilled with the way that the, the reason I think that I, I love the way they shot this because we did it in several, over several nights in New York. Yeah. And then I, they took the best of all of it, but uh, cause you've seen the, the video of Sunday, the park, right? Yeah. 
which is brilliant. Yeah. But it's shot with them alone in the studio. Yeah. And it's good. It's clean. It's nice. But what's into what makes Into the Woods a great recording is that the audience is actually a character too, because you can't yeah. do it without that audience response. So by being able to have that connection, yeah, then you get a better theatrical experience, I think, from the video. So, yeah. Well, James Lapine directed it. Uh, he directed yeah, yeah. the camera, so that made a big difference. I think um, he right. knew, you know, what, how to make the experience. Well, I know that you know because he he was very very meticulous in the rehearsals, and then I you know he was out in that truck he did all the camera directing too right so yeah yeah so he did a nice job with that too and i mean i i it just seems like um for so many uh you know I, i'm 46 and i think i'm probably a baby. Uh, well but i'm probably the oldest of the people that sort of grew up on that video because, right. but i you know because the people that i was you know assisting and stuff when i first came to new york they talked about Into the Woods kind of like, yeah, whatever. Like they were cared about Follies and Company and Sweeney Todd. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But these younger people, I mean, Into the Woods is the number one, that's their Sondheim show. That's it's that's it. I mean, it's, you know, it's for them. I think it's up there with Les Mis and Beauty and the Beast and, you know, uh, all that stuff. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. Th I'm glad that's the case. I know when we first came out, you know, a lot of people were saying, well, you know, and, you know, kids today do this uh, when they do Into the Woods Junior. They yeah, finish right. it. They they happy ever after at Act One, and that's it. Good night, everyone. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think that's interesting, but uh, but yeah, I think it's a great show. It is a big shift, though. It is if you're not used to it, it does all slow down in the second act. Yeah, totally. You know, but it's very smart. It's very. I love everything that it deals with, and I think that. Uh, what I love about the show, as opposed to the movie, in the movie, it seems like it's been from the time Cinderella gets married to the infidelity moment. Yeah. Seems like half an hour, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So if it's, but it's been, a, but if it's like when you have act two and then you start a whole nother, it's like could be a year later, right? Totally. You know, so, so that's kind of missing. And then, the, and then you don't get to do the second agony. They no. don't kill Rapunzel in the movie because you can't kill a Disney. You can't kill a Disney princess, right? So, oh, I have a question for you about that. Um, in San Diego, I know that um, Kay McLellan doubled as the stepsister and as Rapunzel. Oh, he, she was the best. I love Kay. Yeah, I was, I still, did she tell you? Did she tell you she fell through the stage in San Diego? No, I, I I reached out to her, but I haven't gotten to talk to her yet. Yeah, we, you know, uh, in the end of Act One. And uh, things are, you know, the the blindness happens, the tears are restored, you get your eyesight, and yeah. you're about to be cursed by the witch. Nothing happens, and you go. Well, in San Diego, at the end of the act, there was a trap door so the beanstalk could rise up through the floor. The witch curses us. We turn to go, and Kay starts to fall through the floor boom oh shit and i'm able to catch her but she got bruised the shit out of herself oh so she didn't fall all the way down but she could have so like all of a sudden she's like falling next to me right so i was able to stop her from falling but oh. that's because they'd opened the trap a step a step too early right wow. so theater can be a, a real adventure yeah god um what, what what were there differences in the Rapunzel and Rapunzel Prince story in that incarnation where she was played by Kay? 
No, I think ultimately it's the same thing. You know, it's what, what, again, it's the true fairy tale, right? So if she's Rapunzel, she's Rapunzel, right? So she goes yeah. deep into that. And, but as far as the, you know, the nature of Kay was great as Rapunzel. And, uh, but, you know, at that point, they didn't have my little world or whatever, you know. Right. So Rapunzel, uh, yeah. she's saying, ah, yeah. she cried a lot, but she didn't have a lot to do. Ah. You know, so. And then. Um, but Kay was great. But, but then Kay is irreplaceable as a stepsister, though. Yes, yes. Uh, although I hear that she was a very good baker's wife. I'm trying to find. Oh, a amazing! She's amazing. She's a she's a real deal. She's a she's yeah. a she's a real star. Well, I won't I won't give up on on getting to talk with Kay too. Um, but uh, it's been so good to talk to you. I I so wait, are you telling me that that's a hard no on coming to New York to do your show? Oh no no no! It's all about money. <laughs> all right well that's that's I'm, the right answer i'm happy to come make a give me a reason to be there and i'm there all right i'm gonna send you an offer for that uh, and tell me what what boat do you go on if people want to come see you there well right now i'm getting ready to go on to the carnival miracle starting um on the what's gonna be 27th i believe of this month and i just came back from the pride i've been the carnival keeps me busy all the time i've done this must be 27 cruises this year already. So, That's and how did you get started with that? Were you doing one of the Disney shows first? I well, I had done I had done Beauty and the Beast for a long time, and things yeah. had slowed down. And so I contacted Thomas Schumacher, head of Disney, yeah. Disney, and I said, you know, I I feel like I still got a lot to offer. You have any ideas, right? And he put me in touch with Jeff Lee, who was the assistant director to Julie Taymor in The Lion King, right? Yeah. And he's also in charge of, they called it uh, Disney ambassadors for Disney theatrical ambassadors, or and then they called it stars set sail, but they have a program where I think when, when I started, they, there were 16 of these in a year where they would bring in performers from Disney theatrical productions. Yeah. A lot of times it was, you know, I know Susan Egan does it a lot. Uh, the uh, genie from Aladdin a lot, you know, mm. and, but I'm, so I'm more, I'm more obscure, but so they, they, he said, write me a show that we can sell, pitch and we'll see what we can do. And so I created the first, first version of the show I do now called Living the Dream, where I tell my story, right? And uh, the only caveat was it had to be 50% Disney theatrical. Yeah. And so, okay, can do that. But they had just bought Into the Woods, so that counted. Wonderful. That, that was a winner. Exactly. So I got that, I got Beauty and the Beast, so I didn't, only had to add a couple of things. I added uh, Proud, of Her, Proud of Your Boy from Aladdin, for when I was in high school, uh, her voice for when I met my wife. And then I also did, uh, before the Big Beast song, I did Made of Stone from uh, Hunchback on stage. Oh, yeah. And that is a, a bear of a song to sing. <laughs> but it was, so I did that live with Jeff Saber on the piano, you yeah. know, who was, uh, he was a music director for End of the Woods um, in the pit. And, uh, and fantastic. So he came with me and uh, very, very successful. And while I was there, there was a group called ABBA Fab. And they are an ABBA cover band run by this family whose patriarch, his name is Terry Davies. And his wife is Anne. So T-A-D, Terry and Davies, mm. have management, too, that does a lot of, they do local, you know, land performances. But there's a whole cruise division, right? And so they saw me on the Disney Cruise Line and said that they thought they could sell an act like mine and would i let them represent me i said yes i would and so that's been now four or five years and this has been like this past year is my most successful year they keep me so busy it's like I, another c day oh man 
Oh, you don't like the sea days? That's always my I favorite. love them. Listen, I love them, but it's like, you know, after a point, it's like, it's again, it's the same food, it's the same place, it's mm. just at sea. So yeah. Yeah. it can be great. Sometimes I have a guest cabin that's very nice. Sometimes I have a crew cabin. Yeah. Still nice, less nice. Less nice, gotcha. <laughs> that's understandable. Uh, well, uh, we will we will have to catch up on that too then. Um, but thank you so much for talking, Chuck. This is really great to get. Uh, it's my pleasure. I again, how many how many thirty fifth anniversaries do you get? Well, hopefully several. It'll be in thirty five, seventy, one hundred and five. Yep. Just keep them going. All right. All right. Have Take a care. great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Giants in the Sky, how Sondheim and Lapine went into the woods on the Broadway Podcast Network. Look out for episode 16 with Lauren Mitchell, the original Lucinda. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now 
and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.